Aloha, Maui Nui. Hey, this is Josh Porter. And Jason Burkhardt. It is Solar Coaster. 117. This is a good show here. We have the Public Utilities Commission Chairman, Jay Griffin, on with us. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. For those that don't know, PUC, Public Utilities Commission, is the agency that effectively monitors and oversees the the allowed monopoly that is our, our local utility. <laughs> yeah, among other things, too. So uh, they, they've oh, got sure. a broad role, and we're going to learn all about that or this organization. Uh, we're going to get a chance to talk with uh, Jay, James, Jay Griffin, and learn about his background, how he got into this uh, role here. Three Jays in the room. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and what, uh, what what's going on right now. And it's a really interesting time, I think, to have um, an, a discussion with Jay because – uh, the the single largest procurement from uh, or one of the single largest procurements for of renewable energy from a single utility it just happened on the tenth the final draft and I believe that's on his desk right now uh, and so he's going to really be is, it really is because of the PUC that this happened well yeah we'll certainly find out and you know we, there's an opportunity uh, right now for them to be evaluating that and I'm sure there's some feedback going on I think there is some uh, some some back and forth happening at the moment I hear kind of through the grapevine from various bidders and utility people uh, and things of that nature so it'll be really great to hear from Jay about his experiences and what he thinks about you know this his role and what he's doing here it's a really pivotal kind of time for Hawaii and and he's playing a really important role in that so we're super fortunate to have him on board the coaster today all righty. You ready to go, Jay? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay, folks. This is The Solar Coaster. We are a renewable energy-themed talk show right here in lovely Maui County. can be found Fridays at 1.05 p.m. on Kauai 1110 a.m. Also, some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry. We are on the web, uh, solar-coaster.com, solar-coaster, that's a hyphen, .com. Uh, you can listen live there. Uh, we will stream our video when the internet is, is better, <laughs> better than it is. Uh, you can also get into uh, our, all our old shows, which is actually really the most important thing, is that if you're looking for something in solar or renewable energies, a particular topic, we've talked about it at some point. And by now, so you should just go in and listen to, listen to that particular show that really has has meaning for you. Uh, you can also go down to the bottom of pretty much every page and submit a question and or join the mailing list. So if you have something you would like to ask the Solar Coaster, something we, you want us to get on air, uh, go down to that form and fill it out. That's solar-coaster.com. We're also available on uh, podcast networks, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. I'll carry the Solar Coaster. Sure do. And we got some great sponsors out there. Uh, Pantech Design, Sundrum Solar, and LG Chem. Uh, you know, there's these companies are doing great things out here in uh, in Hawaii and in Maui in particular, and look forward to seeing more and more of their tech de deployed. Uh, I, you know, I think there's some really cool opportunities for Pantech right now that I'm, I'm kind of percolating, so it's very cool stuff. Uh, this is a call-in show, 808-242-7800 is the call-in line. Like, if you'd like to give us a call, go for it. Uh, and then we're going to jump over to our Pantech Design Minute. Pantech Design Minute number six, smart demand control and load management. The ADAPT Energy Automation Package optimizes your use of available clean energy when it is abundant and less expensive, like during low tariff or off-peak times. By working together, the ADAPT Energy Automation and the Sonin EcoLink systems decrease load usage and discharge of your home battery when it matters most to fully manage and maximize energy usage in your home. 
For example, during time of use TOU windows, the Equalinks and Adapt EA package can make adjustments in your home to drastically reduce your energy usage without disrupting your lifestyle. So first, the Equalinks system could effectively flood the peak period by using clean stored energy from your battery to power the home rather than relying on the grid. Secondly, load shedding commands could be used to maximize and extend the Ecolink's stored energy. For example, lowering the shades, dimming the lights, increasing the thermostat, and turning off non-essential appliances, which would decrease your energy consumption by 2,000 watts. For a 10 kilowatt hour Sonen Ecolink system, that's an additional two hours worth of energy. This has been the Pantech Design Minute. There you go. Pantech keeps on educating us about all these really cool things. You know, um, I, I read an article, and we may cover it today, about the extreme heat uh, that we've been experiencing throughout the world, and specifically here in, in, in town. And one of the things they describe is the notion of using shades to mitigate the amount of sunlight that gets in your house and heats it up. And I kept thinking about, sure, ooh, absolutely. wouldn't that be cool to just happen automatically? <laughs> if it was just automatic, it really really should be. I mean, we, we're, we're not living in a in a time where you, where you don't need that. Uh, that TOU conversation is actually also really interesting. We learned from uh, John Borland that uh, you can go to a time of use model for your electricity if you want to. It's an, it's an electable uh, on, your, on your utility account. Um, right. So if you wanted to do that, there's a potential there for savings, but you really do have to kind of play the system. <laughs> oh, Borland was gaming it. He's such a, he's like, he's so dialed in. He likes to play with the numbers. But, um, but, but if you had a system like Pantech to uh, adapt in the house, it would, it would do, it would play the game for you. Which is kind mm. of cheating. Mm, interesting. <laughs> well, very good. Very good. I think it's time to go to news and events and jump right in there, Jang. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, we've talked about the uh, Chinese Belt and Road Initiative before, but there's a new large article, um, a report by Greenpeace uh, was released recently and shows that um, in the five years since China has announced this this continent spanning uh, initiative, they've invested in a huge amount of renewables. I mean, that, that was the, the Greenpeace um, touting, uh, reason why Greenpeace was touting this this report. Um, 12.6 gigawatt of wind and solar generation was was um, incentivized by, by the Chinese across multiple nations. That's the interesting thing about this whole initiative, um, is it really crosses from from the the Middle East, the very end end of Europe, and through uh, a number of nations to get into China, it's just, it's essentially. Uh, I, I was like before the show. I was likening it to like the the interstate highway system. You know, that's that's the kind of of revolution that they're going to be going through in in very short order. So, 12.6 gigawatt of solar has already been invested in uh, in through through these Belt countries, and it's specifically there to support the infrastructure. When you say it's uh, similar to the um, the highway system that was you know set up throughout the United States, it's like it, towns and infrastructure follows that. That's what you mean, right? Well, it's it, they're investing in infrastructure in order to spur growth and um, trade mm -hmm. across these nations. It's it's essentially like the old Silk Road route, right? But that was that was camels and. and horses and such um, over land and then the, the sea the sea route um, but but they want a high speed uh, easy way 
to get out of Europe and into China across all these all these nations, and it would spur economic development all the way across the line, right? So that's that's what they're, and that's that's what I'm what I'm likening it to. Once once we had our interstate highway system, it was much easier to transport stuff around. We had all these large trucks. Of course, we were doing um, road vehicles as opposed to trains and such. Um, and I mean, that was, that was really the downfall of the railroad system is once this, the interstate highway system came online, uh, you could go anywhere, not just where the rails went. Right. And uh, so they've got a lot of investment of renewables, but also some, you know, there, there's also some coal actually being in uh, coal systems. or coal, That was that was uh, a plants, disappointing right? thing that I saw here. Uh, exactly. That that number, um, 68 gigawatt of new coal capacity that kind of blew my mind uh, and i want you to hold that in your in your mind as you're listening to the rest of the show because it ties into something that we'll go into in a bit a bit later but it's a little disappointing that they've had to they're still building many times more new coal plants than they are in in wind and solar yeah, I, I mean, uh, it, there's the, we're seeing that in other parts of the world as well. I believe, uh, you know, there certainly are still coal plants going in. It's it's, it's easy, ratio, it's well known. Right? Uh, it certainly it certainly makes money. Yeah, it's about. You know, I mean, there's, a, there's still there's still plenty of money to be right. made in, in coal, unfortunately, and they have it local. That's the thing is that they can that the Chinese can can they have significant coal resources that they can draw on on their own, it's an un, untapped natural resource. Um, so uh, road trip, Jay. We'll just have to get out there and take a closer look at that. So yeah, absolutely. Well, we've been trying to get to China this whole past week, and I don't, I don't <laughs> know if it's going to happen or not. Oh right, we actually do have tickets for a show, right? So uh, hey, uh, okay. Let's. Do you want to jump over to more China? You want to talk about the uh, the, the uh, well, trade let's, one? real 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 quick. Um, I want to announce that the GE finished their first nacelle, which is the central. Um, turbine housing that the, you see on all the windmills for the new Halide X, which up. is their giant, giant um, new windmill, <laughs> essentially. It's meant for meant for offshore use, but I suppose you could use it on, on land if you wanted to. But it's, it's just gigantic. I mean, they, they have this picture here, and it, is, it looks like there's literally 100 people. I tried to count them all, on it, but it's like 100 people under the thing. And if this thing fell over, it would absolutely crush all 100 people. It's, oh, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a city block. It's just huge. You know, the, uh, and the, that's part of the, <laughs> part of the, the conversation. Basically, um, they were getting – GE was getting um, – kind of trounced in the market because they didn't offer a large size uh, generator. They have lots of little windmills, but not not a really big one. Um, and so people like Siemens were, were just eating their lunch. And so they decided to double down and make this absolute monster of a thing. And and my, my first thought is, wow, that's gigantic. And the second thought is, how are they going to move it? Uh, and there's actually there's actually a big conversation right now is that the, 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 the shipping and and boat companies who do offshore wind installation may not immediately be ready to transport this thing. That's the conversation right now. Yeah, and but they are the, making it, them. There's there's, there's going to be two in the world right now. They're sending one off off of the coast of Germany and one off the coast of the UK, and they will do so their testing and get certified, uh, and then they'll be good. You know, the each, reason... one of, each one of these generates 12 megawatt, and <laughs> it's, it's, to put that in perspective, that's like 16,000 households. The, uh, the reason that I, one I, I incorporated this into news and events, Jay, is that uh, when we start thinking about 
Oahu and where we're going to put all of this PV, presumably PV, mm-hmm. we start running into land constraint issues. And there yep. is a discussion about offshore. We've seen that. I think it was DBED that, that was talking a little bit about this at the Maui Energy or the Hawaii Energy Conference. And so the, the notion of a 12 megawatt uh, actual uh, wind, wind turbine and its scales, at, you know, they have this, when they try to give scale to this in terms of its height and uh, blade, I guess, diameters, they, they put it up against the silhouette of like the Eiffel Tower and the world. The Empire, the State, Empire Builder. State Builder. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just it's just a whole different ball game. And this kind of mega anything anything any kind of mega construction that changes the way we build things at a whole new scale. I get excited about that. I think that's really interesting. Uh, so we'll have to see if this uh, turns into a uh, game changer for the the wind industry and if it gives GE an advantage or if it turns into something like those massive planes that they tried to build a what was it Airbus or something those huge ones that didn't really work out at the end of the day. So I'm yeah, interested to follow this I, along. I would, I would sincerely hope not i mean i i do think wind is in our future uh because it's it's come down so much wind is kind of experiencing a real resurgence right now the interest in offshore wind is is just gigantic um and so is this particular generator so we'll have, we'll have to see how that works out but I, you, you're exactly right that there simply isn't enough space and nobody it's, it's apparently nobody wants Everybody wants solar, but nobody wants it in their backyard. It's just like nuclear. <laughs> well, it's related, I guess, the idea. What's going on with these uh, different, global... Different reasons, but the same thing. Well, I, don't, <laughs> I, I want solar power. I want renewable energy, but I don't want it where I can see it. Uh, that is the concern. There's definitely that concern. We had, uh, was it Greg was on, Greg Kresge, uh, manager of renewable energies here in Maui. And he was, uh, he was concerned about that, about, you know, how this next RFP, which is so substantial, is going to be received. I mean, we're already having those kinds of discussions in Oahu, also here in Maui, about some of the yep. approved uh, uh, or pending approval from, I guess, the PUC uh, systems that have been awarded by the um, by the utility. And, you know, people are concerned for a variety of reasons. And so we're going to have to see how this stuff plays out. But hey, let's let's jump yep. over to this global energy transition. Uh, what's going on here, Jay, with with uh, the trade war and how things are are kind of affecting? Okay, you know, so carbon. yeah, this we've we've, we've seen um, the tr- this whole trade conversation. <laughs> People can want to call it a trade war. It's it's not quite a trade war yet, but it's certainly becoming a little more um, protectionist, um, and it's 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 basically hurting. Uh, renewable rollouts because we are so dependent on um, all these projects from all these projects require materials from lots of different different nations. Um, the solar panels, of course, most of the cells are being were being made in China. Uh, they've they've migrated uh, to different points Asia as this whole trade war thing has played out. Um, the new uh, Trump tariffs have have basically said anything that's that's foreign produced is is going to be uh taxed as it as it enters the u.s and we're seeing all it just add a tremendous amount to every single um well, yeah. project and they're talking so, about so it, people have been people have been slowly slowing down on that we, we've, we've seen the costs coming down at the same time so it really hasn't hasn't i don't want to say it's really stopped the transition but it certainly hasn't helped 
Well, um, if you're Jay, if you're looking at you know a project and you're putting in something like you know like the 60 megawatts you know here in 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 Kahului, and if you don't have good clarity on the cost of your modules, then that could you know get that could make you really concerned, right? And then yeah, they're, they're talking about proposing 25 percent this year. So pro- yeah, they're about proposing new tariffs on uh, wind turbines as well, right? And so you just it, yep. it's this is you need to have good clarity uh, for what your costs are before you go into these things, and a lot of these things take time. So so if in the middle of it, you know, you get get smacked with these, uh, you know, huge percentage uh, changes in your mater- in your acquisition costs for, for for equipment, then it can really change the economics of something that you're already into. Simple yeah. as that. And it's and it's and it's the fun. I guess the sad thing is that the tariffs are are meant to protect local industry and d- domestic manufacturing, right? Um, but there really aren't any. I mean, there's no there's no industry that, to protect anymore. Is that what you said? There's no industry to protect. Um, well, maybe it's the we, catalyzed we really industry. We don't have a tremendous amount of manufacturing um, capability in the United States. We've had a couple of companies which are foreign owned um, try to set up shops in the United States to avoid the tariff. But realistically, I mean, if you look at the global manufacturing capacity for solar modules, uh, we're we're very very small percentage. <laughs> Yeah, you know, one of the things that I liked about this article was just the kind of bullet points that Wood McKenzie, who's kind of this uh, you know cons- consulting firm on energy information, they talk about wind and solar will account for a quarter of the world's power supply by 2040, up seven percent today, fifty uh, percent in more in many affluent countries. Uh, they have all these great little uh, bullet points down here. Um, they talk about sales of off-grid uh, home solar energy systems will notch up by an eighty uh, percent compound annual growth rate. Uh, they just they, they've got they they have really they're very kind of bullish on renewables and about all the things that are happening around the, the world. Global wind market will grow from 44 gigawatts in 18 to 63 gigawatts in 2028. I mean, just one powerful kind of prediction after another, after another, after another. But we're sitting here and we're seeing some stalling with what's going on right now with these tariffs, it looks like. Yeah, but I'm but I'm seeing actually those those numbers are really conservative if you look at it. I mean, wind going from 44 to 63, for example, um, is actually calling for a, for a slowdown um, for wind development when, when it, we're actually... Uh, uh, extremely popular right now, and right? everybody's looking at offshore winds as a, as a thing. Um, the prediction that that solar's growing um, 25 percent um, by 2040—that's it's, it's certainly not enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, can we just chat about uh, the Tesla's Mega Pack? Because I got kind of stoked about this thing. You you like this thing? Go right ahead. <laughs> yeah. Well, basically, uh, you know the. Tesla put out uh, that that huge system over in Australia, and they had an yep. opportunity, and that was with their power packs. There are some power packs even here in Maui and throughout Hawaii, and uh, you know this these are the utility scale versions of the Powerwall, right? Basically scaled up versions of that. But they were able to dial this in and get it more and more efficient. They have a 60% increase in energy density after the successful use of its power pack utility scale business at the it was a, the Hornsdale Power Reserve in South Australia. So they're they're dialing this in. They got this three megawatt, I think it's uh, something like that, but it can be just turned into these blocks of massive blocks of energy that can be used for, uh, you know, energy storage to be used for utility scale deployments. And what great timing for us knowing that we have all this activity happening here in in Hawaii and there's going to be these types of uh, 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 this type of tech available, hopefully, um, and maybe yeah. it'll be utilized. We may find that some of these new, I think they're calling it the mega pack as opposed to the power pack, right? Well, the mega the mega pack, that, that was the interesting thing for me is that this these are pre-assembled 
Um, so I guess they just show up in containers as, as modules that are ready to go. And they can be plugged in. This is the cool thing. They can be plugged in DC or AC. Sure. Yeah. Right. So, so you I can guess... basically, if you if you have an existing solar farm that does not have storage and you would like to leverage some storage, you can literally just plunk one of these things in, patch it in on the DC side to mitigate uh, any any inverter losses, and all of a sudden you now have x x megawatt hour of of not sunshine export time <laughs> which can be great yeah i suppose it could be it could be a retrofit retrofitting kind of utility scale product that's yeah, specifically cool. what it what, I, what i'm reading here they also mentioned yeah. that they have this um the power hub which is the first time i had read about this so power hub utility scale monitoring and control platform uh can be integrated with this uh, auto bitter machine learning program this is really geeky stuff super fun so automated energy trading right so they're talking about being able to uh basically you know read the needs of the market and then you, you uh, utilize software and this hardware to be able to meet it it looks like this is brand new i, I mean they, it was literally they were talking about this is pv magazine july 30th what is that a couple of days ago so it'll be really interesting to get a hold of a little bit more technical uh, data and take a closer look at what they're doing with this and get started to see some of the first ones go in but well, it could be hawaii who knows the yeah it'd be really interesting i i don't I, we don't have a lot of energy trading going on here but sure okay do you have a, another pick i think we got a couple minutes left and we're gonna have to boogie off to uh our uh, commercials oh really quick um where was it? Foreign oh, hackers. Okay. So, yeah, no, um, a new way for electricity. This is a fantastic article in Hawaii Business um, all about how exactly what we're going to be talking today. And it is um, recommended reading. For if you like the solar coaster, you want to read this because this is what we're going to be talking about today with PUC. Uh, it's all about the new models for uh, reward of performance as opposed to um, expenditure from the utility. Oh, yeah. Pretty dense article. A lot of great people quoted, uh, really kind of talking about like this kind of new direction for utilities and how everything kind of fit in. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's essentially unprecedented. And that's like I said, we're going to be talking with Jay about that all all afternoon. Um, but but I would recommend anybody who's interested in the topic to read this article. Excellent. A new way for electricity on hawaiibusiness.com. Let's do this. Let's jump over to our commercials. We'll come right back with Jay Griffin from the PUC. LG is a leader in the home electronics industry and manufactures some of the most popular PV panels, as well as many other appliances we've come to know and appreciate over the years. The same LG brand offers the LG Chem Rezu battery line for your home energy storage needs. Here in Hawaii, their primary model is the LG 10H Rezu with 9.3 kilowatt hours of usable capacity. The LG 10H Rezu can be used both to max maximize consumption of solar energy at home and also functions as a source of backup power in the event that the grid goes down. LG Chem has increased production of their battery line for Hawaii's renewable energy solar market. Contact your local solar provider to learn more about the LG Chem 10H Resu battery. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system combined photovoltaic and thermal holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. 
unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. All right, those were our wonderful sponsors. Thank you so much for keeping the solar coaster on the tracks. Uh, we're really fortunate to have uh, Mr. Jay Griffin here from the Public Utilities Commission, the chairman of the Public Utilities Commission. Jay, can you hear us okay? Yes, I can hear you fine. How about how about you? You sound perfect. Thanks for getting a good line and good reception there. So welcome. Absolutely appreciate you coming on board. Yeah. yeah, welcome. Welcome to the Solar Coast. Too many J's in the room, by the way. We're going to have to be more specific. Uh, yeah, I, I noticed that. Aloha, guys. Uh, happy Aloha Friday. Aloha Friday, you too. Do we want to go Griffin and Verkart? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> so, oh, it's fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you for taking the time to speak with us, and uh, we're really excited to hear about your experience and your perspective. Uh, it's a really kind of amazing time right now for your organization, the Public Utilities Commission, and you know for what's happening out here with this massive RFP. I mean, how do you feel these days? Are you like, are you, are you, are you just kind of over? Are you amazed by what's happening? What, what's what's the general gist you're feeling at the moment? Oh, I mean, this this is uh, what you come to the job for. Um, this, you know, we're we're in this state's an early leader in trying to transition, transform its energy system, um, and you know, we we're right in the middle of it and want to keep keep pushing that forward. It's a it's a great opportunity and a great time that you know the cost of renewable energy technologies and their capabilities have improved so rapidly. So. You know, that aligns very well with the state's goals and the broad support for trying to transform our system. So it's, you know, it's a big lift for everybody, but um, it, it's, it just keeps you motivated every day to do the work that needs to be done. Yes, yes. And I'm excited to see uh, how all of this pans out over the upcoming months. And, uh, you know, uh, Jay, we uh, uh, we have a show here. We do, we've do we been doing the show for a couple of years now, two and a half years, a couple hundred episodes, meet a lot of great, really brilliant people and have a lot of fun doing it. And uh, so our listeners are spread across Maui County, a little bit of Big Island. And, you know, for everyone's sake, can you just give us a sense of the Public Utilities Commission, what this organization is, its relationship to the utility, uh, and then, you know, how you got found yourself in this role? Sure, I'll try and give you the uh, quickest version I can. So okay. we're a little over a hundred years old now, um, and it and it you know the core of our organization goes straight to the idea of a natural monopoly and regulated utilities that you have uh, public services um, where for a variety of reasons that traditionally has made sense to have one uh, company or organization providing that service. So in return government generally grants a monopoly over providing that service in a, in a, within a territory uh, and regulates the operations of that company. Excuse me. Uh, so we've been, our commission has been around for over 100 years. At the moment, we regulate over 1,800 entities, uh, a broad array of activities and companies throughout Hawaii, but the largest ones are the Hawaiian Electric Companies, our, our electric utilities, the Hawaiian Electric Companies, uh, we do also regulate uh, the co-op, member-owned co-op on Kauai. Uh, the gas co- or Hawaii Gas, the regulated gas company uh, throughout the state, Young Brothers, uh, those are probably the, the most well-known large ones, but uh, about just under 40 
small private water and wastewater utilities, uh, a number of them which are on Maui and Maui County. Uh, so the Hana Water Companies, some of the upcountry ones. Right. Uh, basically, every, if you're not provided, you know, water by the county, uh, you're likely uh, getting your water and sewer through a company that's regulated through our by our commission. Uh, and then still some legacy uh, telecommunications role that we provide and motor carriers, which it sounds like you guys want to ask some questions on. I know it's a hot topic yeah. uh, for folks on Maui, but we do actually the largest number of the uh, companies that we regulate are motor carriers about. I think it's a little over 1,500 of those, or I think 1,600 now. Sorry, it grows a little bit every year. Well, thank you for giving us that kind of, you know, very, uh, you know, broad but kind of thorough example of all the different areas that you're covering. Because I think that if people are aware of the PUC, they th- they tend to think of it linked up with electricity and, and, and getting, you know, that's kind of where people tend to think about world, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's great to understand kind of the scope of, of this. But one of those areas that are particular interest to us in our renewable energy exploration is definitely um, the, you know, the electrification of transportation. That's an exciting kind of component of this conversation. And one of the things, this actually was uh, from a couple of friends. We polled people when we, so we were, found out you're going to jump on board. We were excited. And uh, we, you know, we wanted to find out about your, your thoughts about encouraging tour companies to electrify as far as one of these other areas, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, so I've had it brought up to me before. Um, and I think, you know, one view on it is to mandate that it happens. Um, we actually are, we have a semi-lighter touch in how we regulate the motor carrier industry. Um, but I think what you're actually starting to see happen is, is I mean, it's just making economic sense for the companies. Right. Uh, every day I see the JTV buses, the new electric buses that uh, they've just purchased. They drive by our office. Um, I was there for their opening ceremonies with them. I know there's other tour buses for now interested in electrifying, and a part of that is the uh, pilot uh, electric rates that we approved uh, for the Hawaiian Electric Companies to offer basically discounted rates for charging buses during the daytime, taking advantage of solar, and the mm-hmm. nighttime. Uh, so I think you know that was a big market driver that allowed them to pay the higher upfront, or allows the tour bus companies to pay the higher upfront cost for buying the bus as well as some of the charging infrastructure. Uh, so I think, you know, we, we were very cognizant of the kind of interrelations between these industries. So I think we've tried to focus on, you know, how can we make sure the fuel is priced right so that people are going to want to invest in the buses and the vehicles um, rather than just saying, you know, thou shall drive an electric vehicle. So you're looking at the incentives and disincentives of kind of helping move these these uh, these the the the, the I was, adoption yeah, I think of this that's type been of technology. Our focus for now, and another example, we've been uh, provided some funding by the legislature in this past year uh, to offer electric vehicle uh, rebates for electric vehicle chargers uh, for certain types of charging uses. So we're going nice. to work through uh, Hawaii Energy to make those. You know that that pool of money available. So I, you know, I think we're we're very uh, much in the middle of the electrification discussion, um, and you know, knowing that the, I think the fleet operators and the buses in particular, we're going to see uh, a lot of interest in in the near term. 
Right, right. Now, so do you get um, – j- j- just a little bit about yourself. You know, I, I saw on your resume that you went to Williams College up in Massachusetts. That's an area that I've, I've visited. And what, what's it, Did you ever think that back then that you'd be doing the kind of work that you're doing right now? Was this something that you want to be involved in this kind of business? Did you want to uh, be a part of kind of st- steering society towards the adoption of renewable energies? And, what, what, you know, <laughs> who, who are you? Where would you come from? What's your background? Oh, man, there were uh... – well, okay, the very quick rundown. Yeah, I was born and raised in New England. I actually grew up in upstate New York. Uh, I did. I came to, and, and as you alluded to, I went to college in New England, uh, Williams College, and graduate school at Duke. Uh, I was fortunate to receive a fellowship when I was at Duke and did a summer internship working for a watershed group in Hanalei. Um and that was my first extended stay in Hawaii and fell in love and at the time was fortunate to meet the chair of the Energy and Environmental Protection Committee in the legislature. She represented us, uh, former representative and former chair, Mina Marita. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she rep- at the time she represented Hanalei and actually uh, parts of Hana and Kenai. Uh, so I worked in her office passing the first, uh, first iteration of renewable portfolio standard the net energy metering legislation. Uh, so that that gave me my first taste of energy and energy policy. When and, was that, Jay? So in 2001. 2001, okay. Uh, and I was uh, pretty much hooked on the topic, and I could see the you know, the potential for this area in Hawaii, even the, the clean energy, particularly renewable energy. Um, so I worked in, the, in, in this arena, particularly policy area, ever since. Uh, I was fortunately I was fortunate after that to get uh, a job working at UH at the Hawaii Natural Energy Institute, um, and a few years into that, uh, Chair Marita then asked me to come and work on the staff of the commission here. In 2012, I uh, started as the chief of the policy and research section here at the commission, uh, and worked under you know, for the commission for four years uh, on a lot of the. I mean, at that point, a lot of the newer renewable projects were coming and a lot of the new policy and planning dockets were open to help with the renewable energy transition here in the state. So I was fortunate to work here at the commission during all of that and uh, work under a number of different chairs or two different chairs and a number of different commissioners uh, and have a real good grasp of all the institutional details, uh, what it takes to uh, get decisions done here. Um, and fortunately, uh, two years ago, I was uh, the governor called me to when there was an opening here on the commission uh, and asked me to serve, and I've been grateful for that opportunity since. That's uh, that's that's quite a story. So it sounds like over the last almost twenty years, you've been leading up to this time. And, and when you look at this particular moment in time, Jay, does it feel like a, like a very pivotal time? Do you feel like when you're looking at this uh, this RFP phase two, that it's kind of one of the biggest things that's happened? I mean, what, what do you, how do you feel when you're sitting there looking at that on your desk? Well, it's exciting. I mean, this, this is what you come to this kind of job for. Um, and I think it's a time where, you know, where the, the, the real market opportunity lives up to, you know, what people's aspirations have been uh, for clean energy transformation here. We saw, you know, we've seen very positive results with recent uh, renewable energy projects on Kauai. 
in the first round of the RFP. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the goals have ratcheted up significantly with the looking at how we can retire and replace existing fossil fuel plants. Um, but, uh, you know, I feel like this, this is what the, this is everything that we've been, you know, saying that we want to do. Um, you know, and we'll see what the, what the current challenges and reality of that are. I think we, we, we do need to be realistic about, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of practical challenges in getting projects done on the ground. Uh, but, you know, I think the, the long-term trajectory is, is the right one, and we just kind of have to keep plugging away consistently that, you know, we've, we've built up a system over decades um, and we're going to try and change it rapidly, but you you got to have some kind of consistent momentum and, and just keep working on uh, all the fundamentals to make change every day. So do you feel <laughs> like, yeah, do you, Jay, do you want to jump in here? Oh, it's interesting. You were talking about momentum, and that was that was something that was I would I kind of wanted to touch on. Um, the I mean that this this new R, latest RFP, of course, is, is has been touted as being kind of unprecedented in in its scope. Um, I would I, I fall firmly on the side of it's still not enough. But <laughs> but you're, you're you're talking about uh, about a curve. Um, can you explain a little bit about what what happened? The story goes that that um, that Hiko came to you. ATI came to you with, with, with a proposal and, and you basically flatly turned him down and said, no, it's got to be a hell of a lot more. Um, you, can, you, can you give us the inside scoop on how that, that went down and, and how, how much of that is actually true? <laughs> uh, I have a little different version. At first, I want to say it, um, it, it all played out publicly in this extent that um, you know, we had filing earlier, I think the, if I remember right, if I'm wrong on specific dates and details uh, just because it's all played out pretty quickly. But early this year, I think it was January, we got the first draft. Um, and I believe it was updated in April. And we asked uh, utilities to come in. We, we hosted technical conferences here at our commission, asked the utilities mm -hmm. to brief the commission, our staff, and anyone that was interested to show up in person or call in. Uh, and I think it's important we've, we've, one, we have a beautiful renovated, uh, excuse me, uh, new hearing room here and we're, we try to use it as often as we can. It's, it's better to have those public dialogues. Um, and so we went through a couple of rounds of, you know, the, the plans were presented. We read through the, uh, utility companies made presentations on what the scope was. And I, I think what we highlighted in the beginning was going back to what I said, you know, two, two of the key objectives, on, at least for two islands, are to replace old fossil fuel plants. One is the, actually the largest plants on Maui and Oahu. Um, and if you looked at the amount of, you know, the, the target for new renewable energy that was proposed at the time, uh, it was a small fraction of what those plants currently produce. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you just kind of do some quick math and you say, well, what will make up the shortfall if we retire these plants and we don't bring on new resources, it's going to be the existing oil, uh, at least on Oahu. It's a little different on Maui where there is more, you know, existing curtailed renewable energy. Uh, but basically we're looking at a situation here on Oahu where we're going to retire the coal plant 
and a lot, actually about 90% of the generation from it would have come from other existing oil units here. Uh, so that, sure. that's just a step in the wrong, or a few steps in the wrong direction. Uh, so we had a discussion about that, um, and I think to the utilities' credit, uh, over subsequent rounds, uh, you know, they've come back with a far, you know, expanded scope uh, on all of the islands. And one of the other, I mean, there are a number of points that we went through, but uh, I think specific to Maui, Maui County, we also pointed out in the beginning that Molokai and Lanai were not in the scope of the original RFP. Um, mm-hmm. And right, right, these are the two two islands with the highest cost electricity in the state. Uh, so I think you know uh, our our my 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 colleagues and I pointed out that you know we were not going to leave these islands behind while we focus on the larger ones. So I think that sure. uh, over the course of several iterations and months, uh, we've gotten to the scope that it's at now. And I, as I said, I think there's credit to be shared all around that there's a willingness to expand that. And, you know, we'll, we'll put it to the market test and, and see what the response is. So, uh, Jay, can you give us a sense of, once again, for our listeners, we, by the way, we did do a show recently with uh, Greg Kresge and Chris Reynolds and Shannon Decker was here, and we talked about the RFP phase two <clears throat> a little bit. Got a sense of the scale of it, but from your, can you just frame it for our listeners, just that are tuning in right now, just trying to understand what's going on out here, and what does this, what does this, this particular, um, this RFP mean, and what's going on? What's the scale of it? Sure. Uh, so it is the on paper, it's the largest uh, single procurement of re- renewable energy in the state. There's targets uh, for each island in the Hawaiian Electric Service Territory. So that's Oahu, all of Maui County. Maui Island, Molokai Lanai, and the Big Island. Uh, particularly for Maui and Hawaii Island, uh, the the new proposed targets are are large. I think they were on the scale of um, roughly 200 megawatts or so. Uh, and so these are the other newer aspect to this is we have also proposed or made sure that came along in parallel the opportunity for aggregated distributed energy resources uh, Mm -hmm. to participate in bid also. Because with the the general perspective, with the retirement of these old power plants, uh, the utility needs to still provide enough capacity to meet the peak demand every day. So did I hear that there are, um, there's a provision within the current RFP phase two for aggregated distributed energy resources. Does that mean virtual power planting or does that mean something else? Uh, no, you have your your you're correct, uh, and so it's a technically it's a it's a separate grid services. Basically, we're, we're we're let me step back. I think from the commission's perspective, when we looked at the scale of what we're trying to do, basically re- retire some of the largest power plants left in Hawaii. Um, we looked at it's it's probably going to take a portfolio of projects and technologies. To replace them, you know, no single. We're not going to build another large coal plant to replace AES. We're, so we're going to replace it with a combination of renewable projects, probably renewables paired with storage. And we also, I think, try or the hypothesis is that some ability for aggregating some of the existing rooftop rooftopless solar systems plus new ones 
you know, we're going to need all of that to help replace what these old plants have been providing. So there's grid edge, there's opportunities for grid edge, uh, yes, uh, what do they call it, stacking or like different types of resources? Different types of value stacking, value stacking. virtual power plants. But yeah, it'll be, uh, you know, companies combining the numbers of smaller systems. That's interesting. Uh, so it could be hundreds of homes, it could be a number of large commercial customers uh, and signing them through a contract and working you know, directly with the utility. Sure. And to to that to that end, um, I mean, I, I know this word this word wasn't in our initial brief, but um, th- does nuclear ever enter that conversation, or is it just a non-starter? Uh, well, I think there's a lot of hurdles um, in this state, but every time I'm asked, I tell people I I go to national regulator meetings and uh, the events in Georgia and South Carolina. I always mm-hmm. pay attention to this. Anyway, I mean, there's the proposals to build plants there. They've either um, plants have, have folded and, and, you know, they half completed and they're not going to build uh, or they're way behind schedule and, uh, and having cost overruns. So I think that that was not in the scope of this RFP and probably not something um, – I just that seems like a that's gonna that's a tough sell as a tough commercial sell. prospect. To a tough yeah. sell. Yeah, I'm sorry. So, I'm sorry to put you on the spot. Yeah, it really uh, falls into the well, conversation. We're we're always talking about how um, Oahu simply doesn't even have the landmass to roll out all the solar panels it needs already. So, and that's not not in taking into account the, the electrification of transportation and additional demand of growth going forward. You know. So I want to <laughs> ask you something, uh, Jay. So uh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, so when we think about, I just went on a uh, press tour with Maui Electric uh, a couple of days ago. And uh, one of the discussions, you, you look, we're, we're over in Ma'alaya. And so the current RFP does not account, in terms of Maui's needs, right, does not account for the retiring of Ma'alaya. We're talking about Kahului, correct? It's Kahului, correct. Right. So, and Ma'alaya is, is, is more sizable. Is that right? It's bigger I than... I believe... Um, Ma'alaya is 212, Kahului is 37 megawatt, I believe. You're going to catch me off guard. Sounds about I don't right, have Jay. Those so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you got so this this RFP, as I understand it, is is made to uh, interact with the 69 kilovolt lines, right? And we just had this event over in uh, Kauai. I wonder if you interacted at all with uh, the people out there in KIUC when the uh, when the large uh, the uh, system went down with the the problem with the single cable and the single point of failure. So the yeah, I mean, they had their Kapaya plant go down. Uh, and basically, we're running the system with Port Allen, which is their other uh, fossil fuel plant, and uh, solar plus the biomass and hydro. Hmm. So, and, and so I guess one of the concerns, and Doug McLeod brought this up earlier in, in that show with uh, I think uh, the the utility folks, that the, the way the RFP is written right now, there's some concern about the, uh, the the single point of failure, like these large systems potentially going down. Does that concern you at all? Do you have any kind of thoughts on that? Well, I think the you mean. I can think of a number of points of failure. You're thinking single project or the, I mean, the transmission system itself. I guess the size. I think the the content of that conversation we had with Doug was the size of the system. What was it, Jay? Was it a like 20 megawatts? There was some kind of a size uh, a threshold that is, that's. Yeah, like, I would have to go back and look at the particular. But the and it's for each island. There are kind of max size limits on the projects, mm. so that we do not add to kind of these single large, I mean, we're trying to keep 
projects large enough to get scale, but not so large gotcha. that they become the newest single large contingency. If that makes okay. sense. Gotcha. That so makes on a, sense. You know, on Oahu, we're it's a hundred eighty megawatt plant. It is the largest contingency that the grid is the reliability kind of criteria built around. Um, and so the the idea is that the successive projects will be smaller in size, but yeah, they're still. You know, these are still in the megawatt, and my, you know, tens to megawatt scale. Gotcha. So let's talk a little bit about land while well, we got a little more time left here. And I'm really interested, and I think that the some of our contacts in the utility and friends here are are, are concerned about, um, given recent events with how the public is is kind of responding to some of these awarded projects. Uh, when we start to see these even larger awarded projects, what is your what are your thoughts about um, solar megawatt? Per, I mean, megawatt scale. I think it's like five to ten acres per megawatt or something in that territory, perhaps. You know, we hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acres of land being dedicated to the dedicated to these solar farms do you see that crop uh, kind of creeping up as an issue of uh, to get these things deployed are you are you, con- are you concerned about that are you thinking about how to how to make that happen and help push that through uh there's a few takes on it one and you know we have one contested case based on a project on maui so mm-hmm. you know be careful not to so I'll speak generally but you know we've we've seen concerns here uh, with one of the last awarded projects on oahu um, look, I, I drive on my way home, I drive past a 50 megawatt project that's being built here on Oahu. So I don't, these, they take a lot of land. I don't think there's any, um, dispute about that. And, and so mm-hmm. it is, you know, as, as we continue to add renewables, this is one, of, I mean, it, I think it's a reality. And so if we hit some of these choke points. I mean, I think it's just going to have to be a discussion that people go through. Um, so I think this this RFP will test what the um, potential constraints are and, and what some of the public appetite is uh, for building large-scale renewables to help offset the oil that we're bringing in. But at the same time, I mean, I, I think people need to stay cognizant of the fact that as long as we continue to be highly dependent on oil, uh, same time, I mean, I I drive by and see oil tankers off of the point of the island here, and it's just a high, it's a vulnerable position to leave ourselves right. in, and it's that there's so I, you know I think it's a it's a fair true conversation to have, but people need to understand that you know you are dedicating a certain amount of land, and it's a it's reducing these other risks that we're currently vulnerable to. Trade offs. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, the question is, are there other compatible land uses that or you know, use yeah. things that we can do with that land? I think that's an important discussion. Um, and, you know, I guess I'm of the mind, I was saying this, you know, we are, to me, our, our job is to keep pressing forward. And, you know, we can sit and debate whether these are problems. But, uh, you know, I sit here and worry that the oil price is going to spike again or, you know, we get cut off sure. in certain ways. And, you know, if the public will is not there to support these things, it's better that we find out sooner. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So we got a few minutes left, uh, Jay. What yeah. do you think, um, what would you, is there anything that you really want to share with our community about this point in time uh, and about what's happening. Is there something that you'd like to kind of reach out and just kind of let everybody know what's going on and, and what your what your perceptions are and what we're doing, what, what, what's happening here as a community and where we're going? Sure. I think I'll, I'll say a few things. One is that uh, 
whether you know it or not, we have uh, district representatives for each county. For Maui County, Naomi Landgraf is ours. Mm-hmm. So for the folks on Maui, you know, she is the, the face and the ears of the commission on island. Uh, so please utilize her. You know, she's a, she's a great, warm uh, person, and you know, please, please feel free to contact her if you have questions about the commission. Uh, we also, one of our commissioners, hopefully you guys will get to talk to you sometime, is from Maui, uh, Commissioner Jennifer Potter. Yeah, so, looking forward to that, yeah. Yes, we're, I think, uh, under our current makeup, we are trying to be, you know, very attuned to and, and responsive uh, to more of the community concerns. We are, are trying to, you know, have a better presence on the neighbor islands in particular, uh, I I used to spend a fair amount of time on Maui working, so I think mm. I, I I think it's another beautiful place, and we we want to make sure that we you know are doing our best to take care of the community interest there. So please bring your uh, questions and concerns about you know anything commission related or energy related you know through the various different channels that we have there, um, and you know our our folks here are really working diligently to help the state make this transition successfully um and you know that that kind of perspective is shared from the top all the way through the organization on our staff we have a incredibly dedicated hard-working group of people here so we're uh proud that we get to do this job but you know also very you know wanting to hear from folks how we can do better or what your concerns are so please uh Feel free to contact myself or the commission through the various different channels that we have. Absolutely. I'm sure people will go ahead and do that. You know, one of the concerns I think that I can say confidently that people have is, are they A, going to save money and B, going to be able to put solar on their roofs, <laughs> right? So yeah. <laughs> uh, do you, does this put them in a better position for either or both of those two? Well, the intent of the, the R, I mean, we've, we've set the, the RPS targets, uh, but still a selection process and so the you know the intent that these are going to be cost effective cost you know money saving projects if you look at the projections from the first round uh you know these are large projects but they potentially save significant chunks of money on the bill there you go we're you know somewhere between 30 to 50 percent lower cost than burning oil okay uh i think the question about rooftop solar is Directionally, yes, to the extent that we take off some of these older, less flexible generating units, have other technologies that can interact with, or as we had talked about, the opportunity for you know, aggregated rooftop solar uh, storage projects to bid in and participate. Excellent. That's right. That's great, Jay. That's exactly what we were looking for. So you got a yes, we're likely to save money and we're likely to be able to put more solar in our roofs in the future. That's what we want to hear. I'm sure people are going to be uh, really excited to be able to take advantage of that. I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to meet with us here, talk with us and kind of provide some illumination to what you're up to there at the Public Utilities Commission. This has been Chairman uh, Jay Griffin. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, This is the Solar Coaster, folks, uh, sponsored by Pantech Design, LG Chem and uh, Sundrum Solar. It's been a great show. Uh, Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Take care now. Aloha Friday.